On November 2nd, voters in Sioux City will head to the polls to cast their ballot for city council. I'm Siouxland Public Media's News Director, Mary Hartnett. And I'm Sheila Brummer. During the next hour of the exchange, highlights from a League of Women Voters candidate forum held on October 14th at City Hall for the four people seeking one of three open seats. The candidates include incumbents attorney Dan Moore and Alex Waters, Director of Talent and Community Engagement at Morningside University. They serve with a high degree of uh, ethics and professionalism and civility. I truly think our better days are ahead of us. That's my motivation for running. I'm looking forward to serving another four years, if you'll give me the chance. Two political newcomers are also running, the local president of the NAACP, Ike Rayford, an art teacher with the Sioux City Community School District, Matthew O'Kane. I have come to understand that the best way to give back to the city is by serving. I think everybody from every walk of life in our community deserves a voice. Councilmember Pete Gretkin, a retired Sioux City police officer, decided not to run for re-election. This broadcast features an edited version of an almost two-hour gathering. After the candidates answer an initial question, they filled a series of questions from three panelists. The panelists included Mayuki Nelson, Director of Operations for the Sioux City Community School Foundation and board member for the League of Women Voters, and the president of the Sioux City Press Club and news director at KSCJ Radio, Woody Gottberg. Each of the contenders was given a minute for their responses, where they quickly moved through topics such as homelessness, inclusiveness, fireworks, city spending, affordable housing, public safety, and more. Let's start our coverage with moderator David Hallis, the pastor of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Sioux City and a member of the nonpartisan League of Women Voters of Sioux City. Please state your qualification for serving on the City Council of Sioux City and what is your motivation for running for this office? Thank you for that question. I do want to thank the League of Women Voters of Sioux City for sponsoring this forum. It's extremely important for all of us to get to know the candidates. And I also want to thank the candidates for uh, putting themselves out in front of everyone. <clears throat> I think I'm qualified and have been qualified and continue to be qualified because uh, of my experience over the years. I served several years on the Planning and Zoning Commission. Uh, I volunteered for several boards and have served the public for many years. Uh, I have a law degree from Drake Law School and I uh, use that law degree to all of the citizens' advantage with the homework I do and the hard work I give everyone. Uh, I study everything, I talk about the pros and cons, and I will continue to do that. I serve with a high degree of uh, ethics and professionalism and civility. I respect each and every one of our citizens, and I uh, very much respect what they bring to the table. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Dan Moore. Uh, Matthew. Um, I think I can bring a fresh perspective to city politics. I'm very good at listening to others and incorporating other people's point of views into things. I think everybody from every walk of life in our community deserves a voice in city politics. And we need to make sure that we are keeping that dialogue open and taking feedback from people so that we can better represent them. Um, I'm also a very hard worker, which I think my family can attest to. Um, and I'm very passionate, and I'm not afraid to be passionate about issues that I can really get behind. That's not to say I'm always right, and I am very open and receptive to re receiving feedback from people. We all come from different walks of life. We all have different experiences that drive us through this world, and I think it's important to remember that. We need to take time 
to sit down with each other and foster a community that is open to dialogue. Thank you, Matthew. Please, uh, I'll repeat the question for Ike and Alex. Please state your qualifications for serving on the City Council. What is your motivation for running for this office? Ike. Thank you, Dave. Uh, good evening and thank you for the invitation to participate in this time under tradition uh, with the Storied League of the Women of Voters organization. Thank you also for continuing to promote civic responsibility, uh, equality, and inclusion. Uh, and also thanks as well to the candidates for stepping out. Uh, I am Mike Rayford and I'm running for city council because first and foremost, I love Sioux City. Uh, I was born and raised in Dallas, Texas, but I grew up in Sioux City. And when I say I grew up uh, in Sioux City, it's not because I went to school uh, here, but I went to school in Dallas, but because I raised my family here. I raised, uh, I started a business here. I went to college here. And even though I've hit my head a few times, uh, it took me a while to learn that my attitude uh, and my behavior, uh, there was a better way to do some things. And so uh, with that, I have come to understand that the best way to give back to the city is by serving uh, in public life. And I realized that uh, in making choices, we all have choices to make, and I always want to make the right choice. And so I ask that you uh, vote for me. Thank you, Ike. Alex. David, I appreciate the question and the opportunity, the League of Women Voters for having this forum, uh, the panelists for being able to ask us these questions and the Mayor's Youth Commission for keeping track of time. You know, without Pete up here, your job should be easy tonight as opposed <laughs> to previous years. Um, but just excited for the opportunity. As for my qualifications, I would point to a few things. First is um, that I think I'm approachable. If you know anything about me, you know that I try to attend just about every single community event, every forum, everything that I can be a part of, because I want to know what the people of Sioux City are thinking about. I want to know what they're talking about and what they're interested in. Next, I'm innovative. I like thinking outside of the box and trying different things. I think that we can try new things and new ways to go about things. Change can happen in this community. And finally, I would say that I'm enthusiastic. I'm excited about Sioux City. I'm looking forward to what, we've, what we can do in the past because I've seen what we've done over the last four years. We've went through a transformation and I truly think our better days are ahead of us. That's my motivation for running. I'm looking forward to serving another four years if you'll give me the chance. Thank you. Thank you. And now we'll uh, turn to Mickey uh, with the first question for Dan Moore. In early August, concerns and possible solutions were brought to the City Council about multiple struggles experienced by the community members living with homelessness. What are your thoughts, ideas to address the homelessness in Sioux City? Thank you, Mickey, for that question. Uh, my ideas for addressing the homelessness in, in Sioux City would include finding uh, homes for housing for uh, those that are homeless and we've been doing that as a city council and a community We've been finding those places that are more permanent and not temporary I think we have to continue to have an outreach of uh, All kinds of programs, but we need to coordinate all of those There's some duplication and we need to make sure that we're providing uh, the best services that we can uh, It could happen to each and every one of us. No one is is uh, treated differently. We're all treated equally, and we need to keep that in mind, and we need to, to do the help we can, and I think we have been doing that. Um, I think we need to continue those services, uh, and of recent, we've been trying, trying to 
uh, do our best to coordinate those services so that we aren't we're avoiding duplication. Thank you. Thank you. The next question from Sheila for Matthew. All right, Matthew. Immigration and refugee advocates estimate that about 20% of our community, they speak a language other than English at home. What do you think should be done to reach out to this sector of our community? Well, we have a great inclusivity community that advises the council in matters like these. Um, and it is led by, in my opinion, a visionary. Um, and I think that we need to do more to um, make our government and make our city more accessible to people that don't speak English as a first language. Um, my father-in-law is one of those people. English is not his first language and his wife speaks very, very little English. And it's difficult when you go to places that don't offer translation services um, or don't have somebody there that can speak the language. That falls usually on the kids. That can't be the case. We need to have people employed in the city government that can speak those languages, and we need to make sure that we're making things accessible for those communities as well. That includes simple things like having our webpage available in every language that could be out there. Um, we need to make sure that people are able to stay engaged with the city politically. Thank you. Um, the next question is from Woody uh, for Ike. Thank you. Um, Ike, you alluded in your opening statement tonight about hitting your head a few times. We've known each other a while. It's no secret, when you were younger, you were convicted of domestic assault. What do you, what do you say to voters who have questions about that part of your life as, as far as running for office? Absolutely. Um, I, um, as I said, you know, um, I, when I decided to run for office, um, I knew that you know this would would come up. Um, I don't run from my past at all. I, I've accepted, uh, taken responsibility for it. Uh, and just as I alluded to, you know, I hit my head a few times because I did have an anger issue. I, I just you know selfish, uh, but realized that you know that wasn't the way. That wasn't the uh, the way to go because at one point I had to. Uh, after learning that, you know, I had to. Uh, look at my kids and uh, think about what I put them through. I had to look, you know, I reached out to my mother and, and, and I remember saying to her, you know, uh, I, I, I'm sorry that I disappointed you. Um, and so, you know, I decided, you know what, from that day on that I was going to move forward and uh, make sure that everything that I do was making the right decision uh, and not reacting but responding, uh, you know, paying attention to what I do and not do. And that's why going forward, uh, I've evolved, you know, 15, 20 years ago uh, and, and, and I want to keep evolving. All right. Thank you. Thank you. The next <clears throat> question is from Mickey to Alex. There are citizens' complaints about the use of fireworks outside of the permitted dates and times. What is your position? of the current ordinance, and what do you propose? Any changes? For yeah, it's a good question, and it's, it's one that I think about quite regularly. Um, honestly, my position is I wish people would be able to follow the ordinance. I think that what you saw was the ex an example of the city council really trying to strike a balance to say, look, we understand people's right, their ability to shoot these fireworks off, and we want to celebrate that and allow them to celebrate in that manner. So we gave them a window when many other cities across the state did not. We gave them a window, a period in which they could safely shoot off fireworks. 
what has been proven is an inability to follow that ordinance. And quite frankly, it's difficult for our, our law enforcement and public safety officers to be able to keep up with the demand on that. And that's unfortunate. There has been a recent call um, by different groups to ban fireworks altogether. I think that's something that we need to look into. I've heard a lot about veterans um, and their response due to PTSD. I've not heard a calling out from um, groups such as Support Siouxland Soldiers or a larger group of them to ask for that. And if that were the case, I think we do need to look into a ban because quite frankly, I think those, those heroes have sacrificed enough and I don't want to continue putting them through that. Uh, the next question uh, from Sheila for Dan. All right, Dan, you're a member of the Law Enforcement Authority surrounding the new LEC in Woodbury County. Now, recently in the news, there was concerns that the more than $15 million in federal COVID-19 relief money was being used inappropriately. And some say that money should be used elsewhere for people personally impacted by the pandemic. What are your thoughts about this issue? Thanks, Sheila, for that question. <clears throat> and I do serve on the Woodbury County Law Enforcement uh, Center Authority Board as a representative of the City Council. And of course, as we all know, the uh, financial decisions are made by the county, and it's a county project. Um, the authority was formed for reasons of uh, getting, if they had to get less, if they could get less than 50 or 60% of the vote, then it would pass. But my thoughts on that are that a lot of those funds are being used for uh, the facility that uh, now has a mental uh, health care uh, branch or department in it. It'll have some uh, help for those that have uh, mental health issues. We haven't had that before. There's still COVID-19 uh, related issues with a jail facility. And so I think those funds are probably being targeted uh, for the right reasons because that's, that's what they're for and that's what the purpose is. Uh, I think the county should continue to look at that closely, uh, especially as the guidelines are developed. Uh, the next question is uh, from Woody uh, for Matt. Thanks. The uh, city budget is usually the first thing that the city council deals with at the beginning of the year. Uh, for new council members, often they haven't had any, a lot of experience in dealing with millions of dollars of any entity. What, what experience or what research have you done as far as dealing with a mega million dollar budget if you get elected? I don't have a financial background. I'm a teacher, um, but I'm willing to learn. And that is one quality you'll find in a lot of teachers out there. I'm willing to roll up my sleeve. I'm willing to read through it. I'm willing to figure out how the city operates. Um, and I'm willing to take feedback from the community because I want to make sure that everybody knows how money is being spent and I want to make sure that it's fair and equitable. Uh, the next uh, question is uh, from Mickey uh, for Ike. Let's stay with the topic of budgets. I think you can read a lot of books and get a lot of information, but unfortunately, when money is tight, there's always some kind of budget cut that needs to occur. So for you, what would you consider that if you had to make a cut, what would you consider cutting? And if necessary, what would you consider something that is off limits to cutting? Absolutely, thank you, Mickey. Um, you know, I, I have to, you know, echo, you know, um, matter. You know, it, it's so often we hear politicians talk about what they will do and what they won't do, uh, but until you're sitting in this seat, you really don't know uh, what is and what what's off limits or what's in limits. Uh, I have come to understand that I will never make a promise uh, that I can't keep, uh, and so. 
with that, uh, I, I would do my homework. I, I would sit down and uh, I, I trust, you know, the city leadership as, as it relates to our city manager, Bob Padmore, and city staff, uh, and, and what they bring back to the table. Uh, and, and trust that, you know, they're going to be asked that question. You know, what can you lose? What can you lose? You know, we never want to lose city staff. We, we, we want to make sure that we hire people, uh, you know, but we also understand that there are things that need to be taken care of. Uh, no one in this room likes potholes, right? But, you know, we've got to figure out a way to take care of those things. And so, um, you know, uh, I, I, I like to sit down, think about, get all the information that I need, uh, and then be able to make that decision along with the other members of uh, the, the council. Thank you. Uh, the next question from Sheila for Alex. All right, Alex. One thing I hear quite a bit from people in the community is about housing. Yeah. Apartments cost too much. Actually, a lot of the apartments cost more than a mortgage payment. Um, affordable housing, what should be done and what is being done about it? Yeah, you're exactly right. And this is another topic that actually Dan, um, Dan and I have had conversations about a number of times, right, as well as other members of the council, um, specifically what can be done. And quite frankly, it feels like we can't do enough, um, or there isn't an answer necessarily where we can adjust maybe the rents, you know what I mean, or be able to bring those down. I remember talking to the mayor early on in my tenure of my first term and, and asking, you know, what would we be able to do? And, and quite frankly, it felt like our hands are tied, but one of the ways that I've really tried to lean into affordability of housing is a simple supply and demand. We have been very proactive as a council in building a lot of apartment complexes and spurring more of that development because if you're, a, if you're flooding the market, so to speak, or increasing that supply, surely that demand is going to go down and then those places are gonna to have to be more competitive, whether that's the amenities they offer or driving those prices lower. And so you see a lot more apartment complexes across our downtown and beyond. The last thing I would touch on, I know my time's up, is just the affordability of those housing projects, those new homes that we've been building, part of city funds to offset and try to make those affordable as possible. But it is extraordinarily difficult. Uh, the next question, uh, Woody for Dan. Right. thanks. In the, the last few months, we've had two clubs operating after hours where multiple people have been shot or stabbed or there have been fights. When the police show up, they're told, get out, we don't want you here. There's been little cooperation, even from the victims of these places. Should there be some sort of new city ordinance or regulations regarding after hours clubs? It seems any news that comes out of at least the, the two that I, I know you know the ones I'm talking about is bad news. Thanks, Woody, for that question as well. And, and you know what? We need to look at enforcement and law enforcement. We need, and we probably do need to look at our ordinances. I think we also need to look at the zoning ordinances and find out exactly what is going on. I mean, we have to, I think we have to go to, to a, a, a greater level of detail as far as what the activities are and, the, and what takes place. And I do think that we need to uh, step up the enforcement for sure. Um, and I'm not being critical of our police department at all for that. Uh, it's the situation we find ourselves in, but we have to confront it, we have to deal with it, and we have to come up with some solutions. And I think that uh, to do nothing is, is gonna be a huge mistake, and we need to find out why. Uh, I also read in the paper uh, some comments that we didn't even know that that, that operation was, was there at the time, and, and that's troubling. And I think we just really need to um, drill down and, and get to what the, the facts are 
and see what we can do to change it to improve and make uh, safety a, a priority in our community right. for yeah. everyone, including the victims and those that, that were participated. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, the next question is uh, from Mickey for Matthew. Sioux City's 2020 <coughs> Human Rights Municipal Equality Index scorecard number is 57 over 100. It indicates room for improvement. What are your thoughts for improving LGBTQ equity in Sioux City? That is a good question. Um, I think we're taking a lot of great steps as a community. Um, there's also lots of groups within our community that are very passionate about it. Um, the GSA out at East High has an amazing group of students that are not only reaching our community, but neighboring communities as well. Um, they're changing lives. Our inclusive committee that has started in Sioux City is getting out in the community and affecting people positively as well. Um, the Human Rights Commission is getting involved. There is a Pride Fest event downtown. Those kinds of opportunities are amazing. They're bringing people into our community and they're able to participate in our community in a positive way. We need more of those events. We need both of those organizations to continue to put LGBTQ, sorry, LGBTQ plus priorities at the forefront of the conversation. Thank you. Uh, the next question is uh, from Sheila uh, oh. for Ike. Uh, Matthew mentioned the inclusive committee that was formed recently. Ike, what should be done? What, what would you suggest should be done to help maybe provide more opportunities and more inclusive environments in Sioux City? Absolutely, thank you, Sheila. Uh, well, you know, I can definitely comment on that because I was the one who started that committee. <laughs> um, you know, we, uh, and, and I work with Dan Morton, the, the, um, the mayor, on uh, starting Inclusive Sioux City. And so uh, I like where we are. I like where we're going. Uh, I think the person, uh, Sim, that uh, was hired is phenomenal. She's doing a great job. Uh, there are things that she's bringing to the community right now, uh, meeting with the community and those things. And I think part Partnering with other organizations such as the NAACP, Unity in the Community, uh, other uh, ethnic organizations is, is only up from here. And so uh, I am so happy that the city found a way to make this thing a reality. Uh, we worked real hard on bringing that to Sioux City and so uh, we can only go up from here. Uh, the next question from Woody uh, to Alex. Thanks. Alex, EMS calls in town are continuing to rise. I was, I've been on the last two five-year study groups for Sioux City Fire Rescue and have seen the change where they've taken over the ambulance service. Exponentially, those calls are expected to continue rising in the next few years. Do we have enough current manpower with fire rescue? Do we, do we need more paramedics and ambulances or where do you see us going with that? Yeah, no, it's a good question, and it's difficult to really dive into, um, but I'll try to touch on as much as I can. First and foremost, I would say that we can always use good, more good men and women um, when it comes to our public safety, whether it's EMS, fire, police, all of those things. In fact, you saw recently um, with EMS that we actually were increasing our wages and trying to make it more attractive so more people were able to uh, meet the need that we have. That is something that we did not anticipate as a council, as a community taking on. You know, that was a separate vendor that was providing that service and it was a big undertaking when the city did so. However, I would commend, the, I would commend those that have been leading the charge 
on that effort because I think they've done an extraordinary job. If you look at the response time on the calls, they're going down. We're doing way better on that, um, which is something that's, that's exciting. Um, and we need to continue to foster those types of developments. And there were also increasing collections, which is something that we were really worried about, the bottom line, trying to supplement that budget. So I think we have good things going, but we need to continue to look for ways to attract and retain that good workforce to meet the need that we have for those increasing calls.